Hi everybody and welcome to the Golders Podcast, where we aim to sprinkle particles of knowledge by engaging and educating. With your co-hosts, father and son duo, Keith and David Mayer. We're excited to have you on this journey with us and we know our wide variety of world-class guests will provide lots of value for our listeners. To ensure you stay up to date with everything we've got going on on the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Today, we welcome on Gareth Holmes. Gareth is an elite coaching award holder and pro license coach and is currently the lead professional development phase coach at Nottingham Forest Football Club. Gareth played for my dad at Nottingham Forest as an under-14. And even then, it was evident that his leadership qualities were absolutely exceptional. He features in our book, Goldust, How to Become a More Effective Coach Quickly. And we're really excited to have him on the podcast today to share some invaluable insights for you all. Enjoy. Gareth Holmes. Gareth, welcome. And thank you for being with us today, my friend. Before we go into what I'm sure will be a very interesting conversation, can you share with us your background in playing? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure to, to speak to you as always. Um, my, my career started when a um, young boy, uh, my dad was an ex-professional, always conscious. Uh, my dad never wanted me to be a professional, never wanted me to go into football. Um, but as your heart does, uh, it leads. And he ended up with two sons who were professional footballers in their own right. So that's where... The journey started, signed up for Nottingham Forest Academy when I was 12, uh, then uh, made the made the change to, to Derby uh, at 16 after being released at Forest um, and signed professional contract at, uh, at Derby um, and then went on to, to play um, in Finland for a little while. Uh, had a taste of that, uh, which was a, a was an excellent life experience, not only from a football perspective, but also just a, a growing up and an understanding about different different places and different people, uh, which was excellent. And then went into the conference and, and played quite a bit of football in there and, uh, and in the non-league circuit um, and enjoyed the camaraderie, enjoyed the banter, uh, enjoyed the game for just what it was. Again, with people coming together and trying to do the best after a, after a day's hard work and still coming and doing something that they enjoyed doing. So uh, that's, that's, that's my, my football career in a nutshell. Gareth, can you tell us about your formative years in coaching? When and, and where did you start your coaching journey? Yeah, I think I, think I was always um, interested in, in, in leading. So uh, I was captain of a lot of the team. I was fortunate that people, uh, coaches saw leadership qualities in me uh, and made me captains of, of various teams throughout my, my formative years. And I was always interested in the ability to lead people uh, and to develop people. I don't think I was ever the best of footballers, um, but I had an ability to get probably 5% more out of the players that I played with. Um, and that, that, progressed me and, and that interest took me into um, into coaching um, when I uh, left for uh, left Derby um, I was uh, I went into coaching at 19 that's me B license at 19 went on to my a license at 24 25 um, and um, my first full-time job was actually in Derby County community scheme um, and, and went in 
dealing with um, a range of different children. I think I still look back on them days of going into schools and, and dealing with our, our range of different abilities as, as probably some of the most challenging, uh, if you're being honest. Uh, you don't know the, the, the kids, you don't know the, the environments that they're in, but you're having to put something on and, and, um, and engage with them. And I think there's, there's definitely skills that I picked up from that period uh, that were, were vital um, to and still be in good stead to, uh, to do the jobs that I do now. Um, I was very fortunate uh, to, to come across a, a gentleman called Terry Westley uh, at uh, Derby County, who then gave me my first opportunity at running a programme, a foundation programme, which um, wasn't what foundation schemes are now in terms of phases and, and things like that but it was development centres, it was elite, um, then progressing into elite um, groups and then filtering into the academy and, um, and grew that and developed that where we had um, 30 centres across the, the region um, and for, that coached 1,400 children at the age of 21. I, I would definitely say there were some successes and, and there was definitely some learning in, in that as well. Um, so that what I'm basically alluding to is, is, is I feel very privileged about having a pathway that has spanned the whole, um, the whole journey, uh, the whole development, developmental journey from fires, from mini kickers to five-year-olds, from people coming in in their infancy to, to working at, um, at Ellen Road um, with Gary Brazil as the assistant coach uh, when we took the first team at Forest. Uh, and... Um, and, and being um, first team coach uh, at Mansfield Town, so there was uh, there's definitely been a, a full spectrum uh, that's been worked through. So, like you say, you've covered from the babies all the way up to the first team, but there'll be something in there that excites you. What is it that does excite you about coaching? I think you can see my fo- uh, my face lighting up now, but I think it's the biggest thing is I, I love relationship. I love relationship and development. Um, the the fact where you can um, get to know people, uh, that you can understand what makes them tick, um, what uh, frustrates them, what uh, ignites them and inspires them, um, and you can you can be part of the key that unlocks that that uh, that potential. Um, and that I don't say those things being being flippant. I actually genuinely like turning up. Um, and with with players and getting to know them, um, and those would be the the two things that definitely relationship and development. Those are the things why why I get up in the morning and say I've got one of the best jobs in the world um, that that you're able to do those things. You know their excitement, the connection that you have with your players, Gareth, having known you for so many years because you 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 played for me as under fourteen when I was down at Forest. I had the great opportunity spending time with you and it, it's exciting to see your path you know where you were where you currently are but explain to us what is your current role and what does it entail so my current role is uh lead professional development coach at nottingham forest um i've done various roles at the club uh, interim 23s coach interim first team coach assistant under 18s coach at, the, at this football club um and i think those that is my that is my role at, at present um i genuinely believe it's there's a there's a i've got two little boys now um and i think there's a there's definitely a link between 
coaching and parenting. Um, I would never, ever profess to, to be um, a parent to the players, but definitely, hopefully, I would like to see it as, as a mentoring role, that you, you invest so much in, in these players, um, in hoping and, uh, and trying your best to, to unlock the potential that they, that they possibly have and guide them on a journey that, uh, that they're so excited about being able to achieve. Um, and I think when we talk about excitement, I think as coaches, it's important that that we that we nurture that fire, that we that we kindle, we we um, we help that flame grow. Because I think the, the the temptation can be is when players come into 18s football, and I've seen it quite often, is um, the thing that they that was a passion can often become a job. And that's a real fine line that, yes, we want to be elite. We want to be exceptional at what we do. We want to be professional at what we do, i.e. the players uh, and i.e. as coaches. But when I think I, I look at, and I've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of players, uh, a lot of people outside the game in different industries. And I think the people who excel at what they do are the people who love the thing that they do. Um, and I think that's, part of the role of the coach and my role at Forest is, is actually to, to, to make sure that it, it's not a job, it's a vocation. It's something that they love doing. It's something that they can't wait to do in the morning. Um, there's going to be times where uh, that becomes hard and it becomes a slog and it's early mornings and late nights and, and things like that. And it's, there's ups and downs emotionally, there's success, there's, there's disappointment. Um, but throughout that that journey, I think it's it's important that you nurture that fire and help them um, help them navigate the path that they're on to um, to make sure that they 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 do reach the potential, no matter how many ups and downs they go through. So go back to the 24, 25 year old doing your air license. I remember the telephone calls that we had, and now you're a pro license coach. Tell us what it entailed for you and what did you get from the course? I think it would be remiss of me not to mention a, a, an absolute giant of, of, in coach education and in the game, and, and that's, that's Dick Bate. He was instrumental in, in, in probably a course that um, very few people know about, and it was, it was his brainchild, the, the elite coach's licence. Um, I think Dick had a... Um, he understood that the that the pro license was a lot of managers would go into the pro license. A lot of people who wanted to be first first team managers would 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 naturally see that pro license as the step that they had to take. But I think, as always, Dick was ahead of his time in being able to to envisage something for coaches, something for for people who maybe wanted to be first team coaches who wanted to to excel on the grass. Um, and, and he formed the, the elite the elite coaching license that um, that then as part of that led into the pro license for me. Um, I think the the whole course as a whole gave me a great understanding of um, go and search, go and understand what what best is. Not only just in football, but in in other areas, in um, in hockey, in the ballet, the um, cricket, in business, in industry, all those things. Because as we as we know, we can we can read we can read books and we can read things um, that um, that state about kind of um, best practice and, and habits of uh, of, of, um, of successful people. 
um, that that a lot of those skills are transferable. Um, and I think that was one of the things that that I came out with um, from the course is leave no stone unturned. Uh, you'll be able to learn in all different areas. Um, I think as well, the, the greatest piece of information that I took from, from, from the course was the thing that he did on the first day that Dick that did the first challenge that he, he, he gave us. And that was to refine what we actually thought of the game, uh, what our beliefs were, what our understanding of the game was, and, and to put a philosophy together that what, where we were at the time and what that, and, and in, in, in hindsight, you look at how bright that was because if you go everywhere and look for all different things in, in all different areas, you're like a butterfly. You go, oh, I like that, and I like that, and I like this, and I like that. Um, but you never have anything to compare it against. So you're constantly, like we see in, in a lot of things, copycats. People who go and say, oh, that's the best. This is Vogue at this moment. And I'm going to do that because this is the thing that's that's in my mind at the moment, uh, that's in the front forefront of my thinking. But you don't have anything to to compare it to and refer to. And so what Dick made us do um, uh, from the beginning was actually establish what, what you're thinking now. So when you went out, you can compare it about, well, actually, that's different to what I believe. So that's great. And I understand that and I respect that. But I don't want I don't need that or yeah, I tell you what, that's better. That's better than what I already think. Um, so you could then grow and develop whilst still keeping true to yourself. Um, so that understanding who you are, going out and exploring and searching for different ideas would be the second thing, uh, the first and second points that I took from, from the course. And thirdly was um, a group of people coming together who had a thirst for knowledge, had a thirst for to be better, that weren't prepared to just accept what had already been and what would, the way that thing, the status quo. It was actually, no, well, why? What could be better? How could this be better? Uh, and to stretch each other and challenge each other's thinking. And I think that's a real valuable point. And, um, and, and kind of things, when, when we talk about gold dust uh, and, and the book that uh, sort of you, you and David have put together, I think you see commonality with the people who have shared in that book that there's a desire to want to be better there's a desire that that wants to go and challenge um um the areas where they believe that that it can be improvement made and and that was definitely something that i took from from the course that uh, when you're around people who want to be better that makes you you better as well that's quite a comprehensive answer and have so many questions that would bleed from, you know, your response. What I've gained from listening to that is you personally have got a, a thirst for knowledge and to be in an environment where with another 15 other candidates from different aspects of the game and what it's helped to do is help shape who you now are as a coach. So if you had to define your, your key coaching qualities, Gareth, what would they be at the moment? I shared in the book with you, Goldust, about the, the the five things that I want to do every every session. Um, and that was care, that was serve, that was drive, that was inspire and unite. And those are the things that, that I 
that I strive to be better at as a coach and to deliver every day to the players. Um, I'm going to be honest, there's times that I don't deliver those things and I, I keep myself going home in the car and I've got the radio on and I'm thinking that should have been better. That's got to be better. And I think having those having those five words um, that actually mean something to you, that aren't just words, that aren't just written down because somebody tells you to, but it, it's, it's something that you are how that you hold yourself accountable to um those are the things that that i would suggest as a coach that that i want to do so that at times i'm going to drive my players i'm i'm not just going to be guided discovery i'm going to drive them because i know i know what's next i know what the next step is uh, or i believe i know what the next step is uh there's times when i'm going to really care there's there's times when a, a player might be going through a difficult time on or off the field, and you're going to have to go and put your arm around them. You're going to have to be um, that person who who can listen to them, and maybe not even give advice. Just be that that person who you can listen to, uh, who can listen to them. You're also going to have to be at times, or I believe the pe- the people who, or the person, or one of the people who inspire them to be more than what they see of them than them of them themselves. That. I think this is a challenge that we have in this country that there's so many academies out there, uh, whether that be Cat 1, Cat 2, Cat 3, Cat 4, or even college schemes. I think there's there's a lot of players out there who want to play football. I think some believe they can be footballers. I think there's some that want to play football but don't believe they can be footballers. And I think there's some people with the potential that can be footballers but don't believe it. And I think that's the skill of the coach, being able to identify where somebody is on their journey. I don't think those categories are fixed. I think they can be changeable. I think depending on confidence, depending on environment, depending on um, a a lot of things, those those players can move in in each of those different different, um, groups. Um, But I think when you, as a coach, when a player comes through your door, and you're going to see them where they are there, you have to assess, just a minute, where are these players on their journey? Um, how can I help? How can I support? Um, I, I, I heard something the other day was, don't push a player in, in, into, uh, in, into the career, pull them. Because I would suggest that the drive and the ambition and the work rate has to be has to come from the player. It can't come from from the coach. It has to come from the player. Um, And they have to be the driving force behind. So I can inspire. I can pop an idea. I can occasionally uh, drive and and give a a nudge in the right direction. But that can't be every day. That has to be, that has to come from the player. Um, And I think what we have to do quickly is identify uh, what a player's why is. Uh, and I can talk about that a little bit later. So, Gareth, thank you very much for that previous answer. You'd shared with us about the connection, you know, your values and your beliefs around to care, to serve, to inspire, to drive, to unite. But share with us one about a situational understanding when you were leaving the training ground early morning and when your players arrived slightly late. Yeah, I think with with each of those those words that we we've just mentioned, it's the understanding of when to use it and to who to uh, who to use it with, and at what time. And there was a story that 
that really uh, brought that home to me was was we were at the training ground at Wilford and we were uh, as most coaches in in youth development can um, can relate to is we were ready to leave and uh, you're counting the boys on the bus and, and you're asking who's here and, and and who's running late and the the leaving time was was creeping up on us and and there was a boy that was late and I was kind of tapping my toes at the beginning uh, at the front of the bus and, and thinking just a minute right when that clock strikes uh, uh, strikes half past we're off uh, and we're leaving. And then it became obvious who the boy was. He was a boy that lived the other side of town. And, and all of a sudden, a couple of minutes later, he comes riding through, beads of sweat coming down his, in his, down his brow, and he's, he's actually cycling in. And I know that he, he lives at least an hour's cycle ride away from the training ground. So we're leaving at half seven. So he's got up at half six, probably before that to have some breakfast, etc. And so when we talk about those those words that we mentioned about caring, serving, driving, etc. This boy needed care at that stage. You didn't need the what you're doing being late. You needed that situational awareness that this is a this is a different scenario. That he's tried his best to get there. He's made sure that he's he's tried to do everything within his power to uh, to be on time. And unfortunately, not through effort, he, he's been un- unable to make it. Um, and uh, he needed care at that situation rather than, than probably kind of wrap across the knuckles. Since their experience, Gareth, has it allowed you to be more flexible around the players' needs? And if so, what is it that you've done to gather and corral information about you know, what the player might be encountering? You know, we've got that young boy who's crikey, he's cycling. He's up at half past five in the morning. Have you done anything where you've delved a little deeper? I think you've got to you've got to understand who who the stakeholders are in his life. Is it parents? Is it grandparents? Is it carers? Is it um, cousins? Is it family members? Is it, is it friends? And I think because they're the stakeholders in their life, in that person's life, they understand them players better. So you've got to go and delve deeper. You've got to. It might be past coaches. Um, I've spoken to to various players who initially when they come into the football club. I think I think especially at Forest and at other football clubs, when that retain and release stage happens and we get, we, we might be looking for, for a centre-half or we might be looking for a full-back or, or something like that and, and we get um, a player released from a different football club that you've got a snapshot of that player for two weeks or even two games or, or a couple of days that you've got to do your best to try and get to, to know those people and whether it's going to previous coaches, whether it's he's taking the time to have a cup of tea and a coffee with uh, with a parent and and actually understand it and probably not do an awful lot of talking, Keith, if I'm being honest, to just listen um, because they'll come out and, and I think what you find is is if, if you do listen, people will tell you what they want you to hear and I, I don't mean that in a a flippant or a, a kind of um, a superficial way. I actually mean when they're coming into that position, often their parents are trying to get their, their kid a contract or something like that, but they also feel nervous. They feel vulnerable. So, so at times that can be, a, there can be a real honesty in that conversation because people are feeling nervous. People are wanting to be settled down and actually, you can just you can gauge an awful lot from from just listening to people. Um, what I've tried to do is 
is speak to to other people individually. Um, so when we talk about those stakeholders, talk to people individually. What what what's your perspective? Am I getting this wrong? Is my perception wrong, uh, or is my perception different to what somebody who knows the player better uh, is? Um, and and just just get a, a real rounded view of the player both on and off the field. So Gareth, you've touched on a few different challenges in regards to developing players. What other challenges do you believe coaches face when they're actually developing players? I think time is now that might come across absolutely kind of insane, really, because we we, we work full time with players. Um, I think you come across a group of people who maybe are, we've got 20 scholars at the football club you've got them day in day out you're looking at the individual programs that we all have the ILPs within the football club that each academy has a, um, that's, that's designated to each individual player but I think making sure not a lack of time but making sure you use time wisely uh, that is a challenge that makes sure that you are really understanding um, that there's a buy-in between the player and you of how you're going to use the 12 hours coaching, how you're going to use the, um, the, the eight hour day that, that, that you've got to the best of the, uh, to the best of the ability. Because I think with the flexibility within football clubs where the 23s take this player and the first team takes that player and, um, the there's a, a requirement over that player for education and, and, and blah blah blah. That if you're not clear on how you want to develop the player and the player's clear on how he wants to be developed, you can often be firefighting um, and you can be adapting without being proactive um, and, and planned. So I think using time um, effectively is is really important. Um, I think the other challenge is is taking the time to get to know players. Uh, I've, I've talked about the why. Um, I, I spoke about something before, the why. I think you've got to take the time to, to know why, ple- why, why the player wants to be there, why the player wants to play, what's their drivers. Because as soon as we know the drivers, then we can dig deeper into the relationship. Um, if that player is, has a reason that he wants to support his family, he wants to be a professional footballer because he wants to to help his family. If there's a player who actually just wants to be really financially stable and um, and those different things, or it's because his his dad was a professional footballer, or for different reasons, there's there's a why for each of those players. And once we know those whys, we can then ignite that and we can feed that passion and we can uh, we can nurture that flame that we talked about before so making sure that that we're not we're not flippantly looking at a kid who might be disengaged might be have a problem with an attitude or or um, a problem with motivation as he just can't be bothered maybe he's not find his why yet maybe we don't understand his why yet. Um, and if we don't know those things, and if the player doesn't know those things, how can we help them find that? Um, so that I think that is a challenge, taking so to, to clarify that, to take the time to find out the person's why for playing and for why for being being at the club and and to be and to uh, 
and to be really uh, organized and I say organized, but um, have a clear understanding of how you want to use the time that is available to you. So in that answer, you touched on an ILP. Can you expand on what that is and also what it entails to establish that? Yeah, I think I think we all we all sit in the pub and, and we all sit in front of the TV and we all speak about, oh, that player, he's got no right foot and he's got left foot. And he any chance in him missing the first man on a cross here on, when he's crossing the ball or he can't head for Toffee that centre-half or, or all those things. Now, we might have an opinion of, on those players. And I think that's what an ILP is, that we look at the strengths and weaknesses of the individual player. We're a little bit more, hopefully, a little bit more... Um, planned and organised and go through a little bit more analysis to, to actually identify strengths and weaknesses in that, whether it's uh, watching games back, watching individual clips back, uh, assessing training, those different things that we then formulate a real good understanding of the strengths and weaknesses of the player. That's our opinion as coaches. However, unless you have the buy-in of the player on the ILP, I don't think that ILP means a job. It doesn't mean anything. So for me, an ILP isn't just a coach writing down, this is the strengths and weaknesses uh, that I want you to work on. It's actually a collaborative document. It's something where a player is going to sit in front of you. Just a minute. What, what do you think your strengths are as a player and weaknesses? How do you think you want to uh, want to work on those? And this is mine as a coach. Now, academies where we've got various different uh, members of staff there's got to be a different there's got to be a multidisciplinary approach so that might be influence from the the sports science that might be uh, influence from the psych um, uh, that might be influence from um, the medical officers um, that might be education that might be the coaching staff etc 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 so it's definitely a document where you're looking at the strengths and weaknesses of the player and formulating a plan for improvement. Um, so that's how we would look at, at doing things at Forest and formulating those ILPs. They would take place uh, like they would do at a lot of football clubs every six weeks. But I think informally, that, that those conversations go on a lot, lot more frequent than that. That's that's an everyday chat after, after the training session as you're walking off and you're putting the bibs away and you're putting the cones away. That's... How's that crossing going? And then also one thing that we found that's um, that's also beneficial in those is is actually a gap analysis. So yeah, this is where you are now. This is where you would like to be goal setting, uh, whether that's short term, medium term, or long term. And also who helps them fill those gaps in. So currently, I, I gave a, an analogy to a player the other day. Um, I look at Trent Alexander Arnold and Chilwell. And I think they are exceptional fullbacks. But if you look at the, the players that maybe had been in front of them, maybe Abidal, maybe Alves, maybe Marcelo, uh, that were the top of the game when they were coming through, they were probably very, very different to the type of players that they are now. So what I, I said to the player is that I was talking to was, where do you see yourself being? Take control of yourself, take control of the attributes that you believe and where are you going to be? Don't just copy somebody and think, I'm going to be that player. Um, you've got to be the first of you, not the second of someone else. Um, and that that's what I challenged him to do 
um, that, okay, we've got the ILPs, we've got the learning plan, but you understand where you want to be. And then there'll be other people that you say, I tell you what, I really like that about that player, really like that quality, and I really like that strength. Or, uh, and this is what, what's going to help me formulate me to be the first me for the future. So, Gareth, the individual learning plan that you've gone into, that's defined and broken down into very specifics around what the player's requirements, needs are to help him to go on to stay at the club longer. How does it shape up in terms of the the session planning? So when you're looking at the session plans, I think there's at times that we would look at, we would structure our sessions where we'd be ILP dominant in afternoons uh, when the, the the physical loading of the sessions can be a little bit lighter. Uh, so we would be, we would cut, we would, we would structure our week to go environment um, in the morning or environmental sessions. So things that we believe that is a Nottingham Forest player and what are Nottingham Forest teams, things that come uh, become like breathing. The, the afternoons would be uh, very, ILP ILP based. So although in the environment sessions people would know that would be the generics, that would be the basics of being a Nottingham Forest player. The the afternoons are, are lent to developing um, the the art and the craft of your game uh, and of your role in the team. Um, and whether that's structuring, um, putting the, the fullbacks together with the wide players, so you've got that 1v1 battle, whether that's distribution, uh, strikers um, strikers with fullbacks and, and distribution into them uh, and service, or whether that's centre-halves up against strikers. Um, and I think that's putting it in very layman's terms, but, but definitely looking at the different battles and the different requirements that happen in the 11v11 game. It's not fanciful um that or this is something that i've got great you have to relate everything back to the game or where the game might go and and making sure you're challenging the players according to the 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 problems that they might face on the get uh, in the game so yeah we we would do that very very frequently so that would take place twice a week uh that would be a tuesday and a thursday afternoon session as on top of the players having individual time in the mornings before training even starts. That's you in the dome. That's you being you. That's you kind of practicing uh, Rabonos. That's you uh, practicing free kicks. That's the technique of hitting it. That's that's something that you're excited about. That that you've got an idea, uh, and I think that's important that they have that time to to explore what they could be and and, and the ideas that they've seen in. In, on match of the day or, or kind of Sky Sports on Saturday uh, on Sunday, yeah. So that's that's how we would we would roll that out. I know in the book as well we talked about silent whispers and using a third party to get your message across to players. Have you got any experiences where you've used silent whispers or where you've seen somebody else use them? Definitely, I think in this day where there's uh, such a tapestry of, uh, of young players that come through the door with different cultures uh, and different backgrounds and different life experiences. I think it's, it's very, very difficult and it's probably a little bit naive to think that we can relate to all of those players at the level that we require, that deep, that deep level where you're going to make a connection. And I think it's really important that, that you establish who are the stakeholders in their life, whether it's 
the people at home or whether it's the people that they're actually coming into this new environment through that they've built a bond with. And I can remember a, a previous football club speaking to the kit man. There was a, there was a boy who came in and, and he was very up and down. You didn't really know what was going to happen from day to day in terms of his mood. Um, and he, he seemed to get re- on really well with the kit man and, and had, a, had a great bond. And, and I, I quickly established that actually that kit man's the first person that sees him in the morning, that can gauge how he's feeling, what's going off. And it was the kit man that I actually used to almost give me a bridge into, into that player's life and, and get some information over to him, not from me, uh, because I, I didn't have the, the depth of relationship that the kit man did. Um, and it was important that uh, who you use and, and how you use them um, and, and make sure that that message is sincere. Thanks, Gareth. And also in the book, we talk about the importance of mentors and the importance of having people around you that you can lean on, that you can gain knowledge from and that can help you along your path. So in your career so far, who have played key roles in your development as a coach? Well, there's one gentleman on this Zoom that's, uh, that's definitely uh, taken a massive part in that. And yeah, it's your father. I, I, I can remember, um, and I go back to this story often, that my first, my first, one of the first sessions that Keith ever did was, was firing a pass into, into a player who was a little bit cocksure of themselves. And the player fired it back thinking, he won't be able to deal with this. And, and Keith killed it dead. Stop. Bang. And it was a standard that was set. It was, it was not a warning shot. It was just a minute. If we're here to work, this is the level. And I think what your dad's uh, done for, for me throughout that, throughout my journey has been, has the ability to set an exceptional standard whilst having great empathy to to impart information. So definitely your dad, uh, Keith, um, uh, has been a massive role model in, in my coaching and playing career. Um, my father, uh, being a, a professional footballer and the work ethic that he went into and the sacrifices that he um, that he uh, undertook to allow me and my brother to be to be the best that we could be. Um, I alluded to it before. My dad never wanted us to be footballers because he'd seen the disappointment, he'd seen the heartache that could that could be in football, and and he's definitely the 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 person that that I that I look up to most um, that has gave me that work ethic um, that um, hopefully at times wisdom uh, to be able to deal with um, players and um, and, and staff. Um, that, that I come across now. Um, I'm, I'm also a Christian uh, and, and a lot of my, hopefully a lot of my um, decisions are led by what I believe is right and what, what I've been influenced by as, as, as a Christian and believing in Christ. Those would be the things that have most influenced my life as well as, uh, as my granddad. So definitely a massive massive family influence from me and, and those external factors. Um, I think I think you come across people who definitely influence your life at different stages, but I think there's very few and far between, or 
the people who are few and far between are the people that that stay in your life. Uh, so, so as a as a fourteen year old to now a thirty seven year old, I think Keith's come come definitely in that bracket, um, and obviously my dad. Uh, but there's there's other people that that impart things into your life over over um, over different phases and, and different uh, um, different periods. Gareth, so just changing tack slightly, what skills do you think the future coach will need to develop? I think it's a really interesting question, David. Um, I think it's it's on the lips of everybody at the moment. What what's going to be next, and and how are we going to tackle the future, and how do you stay ahead of the curve? There'd be three things that are really, I think, that are going to be poignant in the in the future, um, and that is uh, a language, uh, b position specific, and c identity. What I what I mean about that is there's such a rich tapestry of people coming into the game at the moment from all different diverse cultures, backgrounds, life experiences that I think we'd be remiss to think that we. Um, and naive to think that we can make the level of connection that we need to uh, to, to really be able to influence that player. Uh, so I think language, whether it's the learning a different language, uh, whether it's the semantics of our words, and making sure that we can make that connection uh, in in the native tongue um, or, or in a way that the player would would really understand. So that would be the first. Uh, the second would be position specific. I think there's a real requirement and a, a need to, to drill down to the detail of, uh, of the position-specific craft of a player and the role that you deploy the skills of, and the skill set of that player. I think that's vital. Uh, and, and thirdly, uh, the identity of a coach. I think, and I say this humbly because we all go on, on, on the internet and, and we're, all, um, we're all thieves and we're all kind of stealing something from other, from other coaches. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The problem that comes in that is when you're not authentic to your own values and your own beliefs. Um, so I think having your own personal or developing your own identity and almost a brand as a coach um, is is really really important. Now that doesn't have to be. I'm not talking about from a marketing point of view, and Instagram and and uh, social media. I'm talking that that we we often say about our, our teams having. If you took the shirt off somebody, you would still know that who they play for. Um, and maybe as a brand of a coach, people going and saying, right, that type of Gareth Holmes or David Mayer, uh, Keith Mayer produce this type of player now there's got to be an adaptability in that but definitely having an identity and a brand where that player that you're dealing with has got some real clear uh, information that they're receiving so relationship connection bond caring are words that i've heard a lot during this interview in terms of you know your personal development gareth where you've got that relationship with yourself, how are you going to continue your personal development? What is it that you feel you need to do? It's an excellent question, Keith. Me and my wife in this time of, um, so we're, we're in isolation. I think you very, very infrequently get the time to sit down and, and, to, and to think. Um, I think moving forwards, um, to make me better so obviously David said about the modern coach I think I didn't 
allude to, actually, you've just got to have a great understanding of the game. You've got to be technically proficient. You've got to be able to deliver. Of course you have. But I would take those as as, as, as fundamentals, as givens. Uh, um, I was alluding to maybe things that, that maybe ha everybody hasn't got uh, or can't or I've got, I've got to maybe work on. But but for my future development, and I'll be honest, at times I can be a person who who, who takes on too much um, and and goes looking. And, and I have to be very, very careful in actually what are my priorities um, and what are our priorities as a family. Um, I was very, very keen on... I see at times somebody once said to me, the dreams are the seams of your life. Now, what I mean by that is if you put too many seams in seams in your life and too many things in your life and too many um, strains on your life, that can quite easily pull that apart. So you never end up doing anything very well. And so for me to move forward is actually to be an expert at the things that I want to be an expert at. So I want to be the best relational coach that I can be. Um, I want to be the best leader that I possibly can of the people that are with me. Do I always get that wrong? Uh, always get that right? Um, no, I don't. Um, and I make, uh, I make mistakes and I make, <laughs> sometimes I make things a little bit more difficult for myself. But for me, it would be definitely being the, the best relational coach that I can be and striving to, to achieve the five things that I've, that I've spoke about. How can, I, how can I care better? How can I serve better? How can I uh, inspire better? How can I unite uh, better? Um, and those would be, and how can I drive better? Uh, my wife would say I wouldn't drive particularly well anyway, but uh, uh, that's another another, another, uh, another thing. But um, yeah, how can I do those things better? And where can I go to to improve me in that area? I'm not one to set career goals in terms of what position I want or what. Uh, job I want or what job title I want I want to be able to do the things that I've spoke about well if I can't do them in my job I don't want that job and that might be quite quite bold because I've got to go and put, play a, pay a mortgage and things like that but we have to stay true to ourselves and, and I suppose to, I've gone around the house in this in this answer but to better serve to better care to better drive to better uh, inspire and to better unite um, and to find ways of doing that through all areas of my life um, rather than searching for searching for a job or a role or a title I want to actually be the best version of myself um, and if I do the things that I spoke about I think I will be. Gareth I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast today we've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and You've shared some unbelievable insights into what makes you exceptional at what it is you do. I'm sure there'll be lots of listeners that are on here today going away with valuable information that hopefully can help them move forward too. But again, for me, I want to thank you and stay safe. And hopefully, hopefully when everything's over, we're back out on the field and, and we'll see you soon.
pleasure, David. Pleasure, Keith. Uh, look forward to, to seeing you uh, soon. Gareth, I concur with everything that David said. I've known you a lot longer. And for those that don't know you, you're probably one of the most humblest, most hardworking gentlemen I've ever come across in my life. I can't thank you enough for you coming on and sharing your time, your knowledge and your expertise and the understanding of how to, how to work with players. We haven't gone into the technicalities of it. We spoke about pure connection. And for that, I thank you. Pleasure. Thank you, Keith. Thanks for tuning in to the Golders podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already subscribed, please do so. Your continued support is highly appreciated and it means so much to us knowing that the content that's being produced is providing value in people's lives. If you would like to know more or get more information from us, you can follow us on Twitter at Gold Dust Podcast. And also you can visit our website at thegolddustcoach.com. Thank you, everybody.